Welcome into another episode of the Unsponsored Podcast. We're back. We took another hiatus. Guys, we we didn't plan on taking another week off. It just kind of happened. And we're, and we're releasing this episode late, <laughs> which is which is just, I don't know, it's just on brand for us, I think. Like we we don't we don't we don't have like a we usually don't have a set schedule for these types of things, but uh dude, lately it's kind of just been all over the place. There there have been some new developments though for for well mostly for you Zach Zach why don't you tell us you went to you went to college for four years you spent all that money on tuition uh, housing living in quite possibly the most expensive city to live in in the world and now you've found some gainful employment at a place that you know depending on who you ask may or may not utilize that degree that you just got but why don't you go ahead and tell us uh what, what's up with you where, where have you been lately uh for the past week i've been uh you know employed because i work for a living right <laughs> uh if many of those listening right now probably don't know but back in the summer of 2019 i worked for a, a very prestigious company here in sacramento california um really only known in the greater sacramento area uh as of right now expansion may be coming in the near future actually i couldn't even i probably don't even know maybe i'm maybe i'm not even allowed to say that but i mean they won't they won't find this podcast right they won't hear it anyways um yeah i'm working for california family fitness yes uh, sir probably one of the nicer gyms around in in our sacramento area uh but yeah starting to work there for a little bit uh still want some flexibility in my life you know still kind of chilling after post-grad uh, still got some stuff coming up the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, why not make some easy money while also, you know, still living the life of kind of just doing nothing. Cause I kind of, even at work, I really don't even do anything. I, I brought a charger today just in case. Cause yesterday I went to work and my phone died when yep. I was walking to my car after work, luckily. Um, but I was like, damn, I need a charger. Mm-hmm. And I was like scoundering. I was like, I was like going through the drawers and stuff of the front desk. And I was just like, dude, there has to be a charger here. Nope. So I brought a charger today, left it at the, in the staff, in the staff uh, closet, little cupboard thing we have. And I was just like, all right, this is, this is my charger. And just in case I need for emergencies here. Yep. Cause I'm kind of on my phone about 95% of the shift. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's where I've been. Uh, other than that, I kind of just been back on my grind of getting, being healthy. Uh, Cause I'm an athlete as well on, on, on the side. So I'm in the gym uh, for the first half of my day. And then for the second half of the day, I'm still in the gym. Yeah. So no. And then, and then after that, you're going to the film room. That's yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. You're breaking down a film. I mean, they talk about how you need a, you need a very nutritious and a very balanced meal plan to go along with your workout plans and whatnot. And you're spending a lot of time in the gym, but what they also don't tell what they, what they just don't tell you is you also need to be eating film quite frankly. Um, so yeah, you, you're, I know you're in the film room for a long time. That's why we couldn't record. That's why we couldn't record on Monday, which is the day that we usually record yesterday because 
you were in the film room. I was also in the film room, but that's because local guys always in the film room. And, and you decided to pick up an extra shift in the film room. And that's just how sometimes things just happen like that. Like impromptu film sessions just happen, Zach. And that's what happened yesterday. That's why we couldn't record. So we're recording today to give the people what they want and what they need. But the unpredictability of our, of, of our, of our release schedule is basically due to the fact that we're just, we do, we're always grinding the tape and we're always in the gym and we're always just busy being athletes. Simple as that. Yep. Zach and Drew in the film room, like usual. That's right. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty soon here, we're going to have to get KFR back on, but we're going to need to get King's film room back on. And then in that case, it'll be Zach and local guy and King's film room in the film room, like usual, which is, which is, which is uh, probably look, man, I'm not full disclosure. Our best, our our highest rated episodes are when King's Film Room is on this podcast because people love people love hearing what he talk like people just love hearing him talk about the team and every single time he's on the podcast and he comes he comes on here talking about the Kings it 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 does it does quite well um, you know usually we get over four listeners per week Zach which is insanity that's probably about three times what we used to do Bef- you know in, in our first iteration of this podcast before we rebooted it. But, dude, ever since the reboot, we get KFR on, we're getting, like, at least over 11 listeners every single time that he comes on. So, it's an infinite listener glitch. Yes. You, you, some would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've, looked at, I've looked on YouTube to try to find ways to, to exploit that glitch. None of that ever worked until KFR, <laughs> until KFR got on the podcast. So, yeah, maybe we're going to have to get him back in the film room. We might have to just rename this podcast. We could. To the film room. Yep. But with two zeros. Yep, that's right. For the O's. <laughs> so that we no can. No questions asked. But no, none. And, and, and it'll just be the easiest way to, to, to distinguish our podcast from other podcasts. I'm sure there's tons of podcasts out there that are just like, oh, they're the film room. But there's only one film room with two zeros in it. So who knows? Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we're due for a rebrand as well. But that's um, right. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know that we've just kind of both been busy, and 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 I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that you're bringing in the money again. That's good because you need money in order to live. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about living in the best country in the world is you always you always have an opportunity if you apply yourself. You know, this is you know this is why this is a pro capitalism <laughs> podcast. And we're down, we're down with, we're down with the cap, you know, because you can get, you can, as long as you, as long as you can get money, you can keep on getting money. And the, the choice is up to you. And you said, heck it, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the gym and I'm going to get money any which way I can. It's basically, that was basically my attitude with Arby's in the middle of the pandemic. I was just like, well, I mean, I could just, I could just keep on letting the government pay for everything, or I could get my shit together, get on my grind set. And work hard for the money that I that I that I'd be earning myself, and uh, that led me to Arby's. And it's funny that you bring up the charger thing because it's kind of the same deal at Arby's. Because sometimes sometimes it's just slow, right? And I'm sure you experience lulls and slow times during your workday. Arby's for a good amount of the pandemic was kind of always slow, so so I would just always have my charger handy, and I would just make sure that my boss Kevin is kind of you know, not around when I'm charging my phone and then I'll just be on my phone most of the time. And I did, I did struggle with that. Like the first couple of weeks at work, like I didn't bring a charger. Once I did, 
it was cash. That's how that's how I'm able to cut up all those clips and stuff like that of, of the Kings and, and, and of NBA teams is I have my charger right there, right at the register, hiding it from Kevin. As long as he doesn't see anything, we're good to go. I'm able to post whatever I want and tweet whenever I want. And that's why I tweet so much during work. It's because it's honestly kind of dead at Arby's. But anyways, uh, we just talked about rebooting the podcast. <laughs> and we had this conversation just before we, we went, we, we, we hit record. But reboots. Everything's getting rebooted, Zach. Everything is just like a nostalgia cash grab, right? Why? So one, my question is why? Why are they doing this? Like, why do they keep on saying, oh yeah, remember when people like that thing? I remember. And then they just they just bring it back in some in some new form, <clears throat> some new edition. And then they always make it grittier. Everything's a grittier reboot. Like, <laughs> like Batman. Okay, so the Batman, I thought it was a pretty good film. But like it was way grittier um, than the uh, the DCEU version of Batman. It exists in its own universe. Uh, just in case those of you are you know if those of you are wondering whether or not it's connected to the DCEU, it, I don't I don't think it is, and I don't know if there are plans to down the road make it a part of the DCEU. But for as of right now, it's not. And like just watching it, you're like, oh yeah, I can tell it's not because this shit is like hella gritty. And then there's like a whole bunch of other gritty reboots going on. Um, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked that they like made a grittier SpongeBob reboot or like a grittier, I don't know, Peppa the Pig <laughs> reboot, or I don't know, like uh, nothing seems off the table with these gritty reboots. What are your thoughts on these? And, and why, why, why is the industry like, why is Hollywood so obsessed with, with like nostalgia, right? Like why, why do they keep on trying to bring back shit from like 20, 30 years ago? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind are probably people who are just like, you know, it's kind of like pity views because people will be like, oh, yeah, I used to watch this. So people just do it just based off of like mm-hmm. previous knowledge they'll see. And then they'll like come to realize that the reboots just never really pan out as much as they probably thought it would in the mm-hmm. industry wise. Um, I don't know why, but the one reboot that I just remembered for some reason, it wasn't even like a reboot. Eh, kind of. Uh, did you ever watch What Hot American Summer on Netflix? You used to tell me about it all the time, and I never watched it. I would always tell you, yeah, I'll check that out, and I never checked it out. <laughs> I don't even remember. I think it was like summer of like... Oh, dude, this had to have been like five five or six years ago. Maybe, yeah, it was maybe like yeah. 2016. Yeah. yeah. Give or take. I don't even know. I can't even tell you. But for some reason, it was on Netflix, and it was it was like an older series. Uh, Rob Lowe was in it. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think. Um, Amy Poehler was in it. Mm-hmm. uh a bunch of like paul rudd right you said paul rudd yeah paul rudd was in it okay um so they're all in it and it was kind of like a 1970s kind of like summer camp vibe type of show mm-hmm. uh or what was it a show i don't know so one of them was a show one of the reboot they made in like 20 the same like 2016 and it was the same actors playing the same role same age whatever but they were like obviously like 45, something like that, way mm-hmm. older. And mm-hmm. I think either that was the movie or the original one was a movie, and then it made like a five episode series. Yeah, I think like I think that. the original I think the original was a movie, is what I remember reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched them both for some reason. Like I, I had way too much time on my hands just doing all that. And I was just like, wow, these both kind of just suck. And I couldn't tell which one was better or not. Uh, and for some reason, I was just like, reboots like that 
I guess kind of makes sense for people just to do it for shits and giggles. But mm-hmm. um, what's another reboot that I mean, another full house, fuller house. <laughs> uh yeah okay here's the thing about fuller house i did so i did hear bad things right which is kind of disappointing uh but yeah i mean they they brought everybody back which is like kind of like cool i guess um oh r.i.p bob saga by the way yep r.i.p to bob man big shout out to bobby um yeah that they brought everybody back and i think that's like the charm right like that's if you're so if you're somebody who who's kind of just like, Oh, I, you know, I, I remember watching that as a kid. And I mean, like, dude, for us, like that, that's, that show was on all the time. It was, you know, in syndication, it, like it, it was on like every cable channel, like late, Nick and night, right. Nick and night used to carry it. Right. Yep. So like a whole bunch of like, you, you'd see it all the time. So yeah, it, it made you at least curious to want to check it out. It, it just wasn't the same, dude. I, I don't know. There's something about, there's something about sitcoms nowadays that are just, I don't know, man. They they just don't have the same vibe like they used to. I'm I'm not quite sure what it is because the formula is always going to stay the same. Like I I learned in classes and whatnot for acting that the writing formula for a sitcom where there's like a, a live studio audience or like a laugh track, that all stays the same. The jokes come in threes. It's set up, set up joke. Like none of that changes. For some reason though, back then it was awesome. Like maybe it's because we were younger. I don't know. But nowadays you look at a lot of sitcoms and you're just like, my God, what is this? You know, like, especially the multi-cam live studio audience sitcoms. They just, I don't know. It's, it's just so strange. I, I think that the single camera, no live studio audience sitcoms, those half hour ones are, are like, they're, they're, they're like objectively better nowadays for whatever reason. There's something about multi-cam sitcoms that's like so campy. And like, so I don't know, I, I there, there's something about it. That's just strange, but they brought back the same people just playing older versions of themselves. Right. And it just, it just didn't work. And, and I, I remember getting a scene in class from Fuller house that I had to perform. And I remember when I performed it, I was like, well, performing this was fun. And the jokes hit here when we're performing it and the way that it's being broken down in class, like, Oh yeah. Like it's funny. Why is it that when I watch the actual show, for some reason, like it's just it's just not hitting, you know? And yeah, I don't know. It just it just makes me curious about like the comedy side of things. Like, why do the comedy reboots usually just like don't work? I, I would say like the only show that was like animated that was, that was supposed to be a comedy or just like a live act, it, whether it was animated or live action, the only show that was like rebooted that nobody asked for that came back and was actually good. And I haven't watched it, but I've heard great things is uh, Animaniacs. Do you remember any, do you remember the old Animaniacs show? I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you might vaguely remember. Um, yeah. Animani- Animaniacs was a shit growing up like them and like Pinky in the brain. Mm-hmm. So like nobody asked for an Animaniacs reboot, but when they brought it back, it was like, Oh my God. Like apparently like people loved it. And it was, it was mostly the same, the same voice actors, all that stuff. Right. So so maybe that's part of it, but apparently that was pretty good. That was like the only good show that I've heard of that was rebooted. Everything else has kind of just been like, why are they doing this? Why? And they're spending a shit ton of money on it. Netflix has spent a good amount of money on reboots and they like overspent. Now they're like in the mud. Like you think Barcelona <laughs> have a have a financial problem right now. Netflix is not doing that well either. And it's kind of affecting everybody else. Like HBO Max like was rumored for a second to be like maybe shutting down and getting like absorbed into like discovery plus or some shit but apparently that was just like an untrue rumor 
they are like firing a whole bunch of people and laying off a whole bunch of people though because they're just like running out of money or like they're afraid that they're gonna end up like Netflix and like run out of money. I don't know, man. This shit is crazy. Like all this, all the money that they're putting into these reboots and stuff like that, it's just like, hmm, why? And back to our original point about the reboots being gritty. I, why? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I, I, if they were good before and they weren't gritty, why are we going grittier? And I mean, it's not to say that they, they could be better or could be just as good as gritty versions, but I don't know. They're, they're kind of moving towards like the gritty area. And it's just, it's just strange. You know what I heard was actually pretty good though. And I don't know if it's gritty or not compared to like the previous films, but that new predator film, did you hear about that? Oh, I think I saw it's on, it's on Hulu. <clears throat> yeah. I think people were talking about like the, people were complaining about like the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Cause before we're just like, when I actually like had to do the makeup of like the predator or whatever, people were like preferring that, but people were like, why did they waste all the time to do like makeup on the predator's face to then enhance it by CGI? I'm just like, dude, there's like so many so many media teams and and stuff like that and production teams who have gone that route and it looks perfectly fine mm-hmm. if anything it like probably enhances the film and the character it's way more than it probably would have before if it was just the makeup team and then just like basing it off that but that was like the only thing i've seen about it other than that i haven't seen anything like said about it whether it's good or bad so yeah I don't did know. you did you see the clip of the actual like live action uh yeah uh costume design yeah. and everything and like how they it did it did look pretty good yeah it was oh it's man. crazy how even like people need cgi but like even without it it's already still looks insane yeah yeah it, it looks it looks really good and it, and i and i will say and i see people talking about this all the time um on on all social media platforms i hear about it all the time uh and i empathize with them like as someone who's trying to break into the industry and as somebody who's trying to eventually like eventually like work with these people in 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 a sense one day cgi um specialists like the visual effects people who work on these films totally overworked like they don't work a regular 40-hour work week like a work week like they're literally doing like 80 80 plus hour work weeks like literally literally working their hands raw trying to make these films come to life like all of our favorite films like the Marvel films and all that stuff that have heavy CGI. The people who put in the effort to make that happen are one overworked and two, not being compensated fairly at all. And, and I, and I empathize with them because that's, that's it's, it, it's just, it just seems a little excessive working them as hard as they're being worked. Um, and you would think with these films being like, I don't know, like on a half billion dollar budget or whatever the hell they're on uh, that these people would be paid properly. They're not. So, yeah, you also bring up an interesting point there where it's like, oh, yeah, like this, the, the, the non-CGI stuff looks pretty good. Why would they go CGI? And I'm wondering if they will ever move away from that or at least move off of it and go more organic and don't go, don't go, you know, don't go CGI as much. Um, but that probably won't be the case because they, quite frankly, don't care about ground level, like ground floor type workers. Uh, in any industry, but especially in the entertainment industry. So, yeah, but um, CGI does help. Let's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it know, for, sure, for sure. It for sure helps. But like sometimes it's hella excessive. <laughs> and it's like, damn, you just you just 
had a person take like five years off their life working on that, you know, when, when they could have just been working a regular 40 hour work week and they could have gone home and like had a life. What, what comes to mind about CGI for me is so, I don't know why, but it's um, for those of you who have seen the prequels for the star Wars movies, episodes one, two, and three episode one, Yoda, uh, he's, he's played by like a hand puppet. And uh, it's so funny. Cause he looks super unnatural like it looks super funny it just don't look like yoda at all and then episode two he gets put into cgi and he's just bouncing off the walls and shit just doing flips and stuff and just like people were just like and i'm pretty sure episode two came out like 2003 2002 2003 so cgi was just like just getting into like a lot of sci-fi a lot more yeah. usage and people were just like holy shit this is this is crazy because in 1999 when phantom menace came out mm-hmm. And Yoda was a puppet. Everyone was just like, holy, holy shit, he can <laughs> he can do this and stuff like that. Yeah. And then nowadays, and, it's 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 insane. And I remember being told when I was younger that the reason because I used to always be like, wait, why do they drop episodes four, five, and six first? Yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, we didn't know them as that. Like, like if you were alive during that time and those films were released, you didn't know that they were episodes four, five, and six. But but uh chronologically they are. Right. Chronologically they are and i was told growing up before i really got into star wars uh that the reason why george lucas wanted to wait to do the prequel um trilogy is because those three films required more cgi and better visual effects and his hope was that one day the industry was going to meet that standard and was going to you know was going to make technological advances to the point where they could do it and by God, did they, did they ever do it, Zach? <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like that, that advancement happened in about, you know, 20 years, right? Like between episode six and, and the Phantom Menace, right? So, right. The episode yeah. six was like, what, like 1980, like the early eighties. Right. And then Phantom Menace was 99. So yeah, yeah like it's, it, it's, it's pretty crazy how he was like keeping his fingers crossed and it ended up actually happening. And, and obviously now that franchise is, is like a whole thing and is like, a lot of times the standard for uh cgi well at least at at one point they were uh so yeah i i yeah yeah i'm just i'm just wondering i'm just wondering like what's next with like for the gritty reboots what's next they're gonna make them even grittier like how do how do we how do we i know we're getting gritty exactly yeah but how do we get grittier from here is my question because it seems like that's the direction that they're going if I had to guess, uh, I think it's going to be just, you know, straight up in your face. So as, so as soon as you watch a reboot, someone's get killed. They don't care anymore. Okay, so like, so let's <laughs> say, so, so do you think that they would ever turn like young adult type movies or like kids movies, right? Into actually, you know what? <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. Dude, aren't they making like a Winnie the Pooh movie? Yeah, and it's like, but like, horror, it's like, but it's like a based. horror film. Yeah. Hey, I mean, even Doctor Strange that just dropped earlier in this year, or it was. Oh it yeah, was, it was. Yeah, fairly, it was. It was fairly it was, gritty. Yeah, it was supposed to be. Well, yeah, it certainly was way more gritty than the uh, than the than the first Doctor Strange film, and and, yeah. and and definitely like more of a definitely. They said that it was going to be like more horror, right? Yeah. It was going to be like almost like a horror film. I guess kind of, but definitely more gritty than the first Doctor Strange, and grittier than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so yeah, I guess I, man, who knows? Like, it's getting to the point where 
things are getting so gritty that these movies might have to literally involve the gritty themselves, right? Just get all those TikTok kids <laughs> start yep. doing start doing gritty start doing the gritty dance in the movies, right? We need we need a scene where someone's playing Fortnite, <laughs> and uh, preferably with, with the new Dragon Ball. With the new, yeah, I was just about to say with the with the Goku with the Goku with the Goku yeah. skin. Yeah, and just have them in the just somewhere in the in, like off screen and one of like the different thirds of the of the screen or the frame, just uh, you know playing Fortnite having him hit the gritty i mean i mean i mean even what Endgame, they had thor playing fortnite with with cord so i mean they it's our, we're already on the on the way yeah that. that's, that's probably happening i and think if that does happen i'm probably i'm just gonna i'm gonna just fall to my knees and just and just scream yeah if if that happens and i'm in the theater watching that movie i will literally my eyes will literally start glowing and like a light a, a laser beam will come out of my mouth as i as i slowly ascend <laughs> i start floating out of my seat and i ascend towards the heavens that's that's probably what would happen if, if if i saw that live um but yeah i i i don't know man we're, we're in like a weird it's very weird. It's right it's now. it's a weird time for like movies, especially right now, where it's like you're either trying to do like a nostalgia cash grab or it's a fucking superhero movie. And there's like no yep. there's like no in between. Uh and as someone who I haven't really been on top of it like these last couple of years, like I usually am, but I, I do usually like watching like artsy art artsy fartsy films. Uh I, I usually like watching the movies that are like, you know uh nominated nominated for oscars like the oscar nominated films i try to watch every single one uh each year just so i know like who to root for and and why they're nominated to begin with and uh yeah those movies just don't like dude they don't hit like they used to or at least not at the box at least not at the box office right like at the box office people are just like yeah like they couldn't care less about those movies it's basically it's basically uh superhero movies are bust right now did you ever see nope no, I've not gotten a chance to see it yet. Have you, you did you get a did you see it? I've seen it, yeah. What'd you think? Uh the thing the the film overall, since I've taken so many goddamn film classes because that's kind of like the easiest classes you can ever take. Um film-wise, filmmaking wise, all things considered, pretty pretty good movie. There's a lot of elements of film that, you know, pretty evident. If you understand film to an extent, you'd probably appreciate a lot of stuff going on. Uh, casually, if I was like a casual moviegoer and you just wanted to go for interest, very confusing. I sat there a lot of the time just like trying to just comprehend what the hell was going on. Still, still don't really know what, <laughs> what I really watched, but um, I think, yeah, I feel like if I were to watch it again, I would either want to be like under the influence to open my third eye to understand what the hell is going on. Right, yeah. Take some shrooms. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 literally one of those movies. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, it's Jordan Peele. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, he, he's the guy who made Get Out and he's the guy who made Us. So you think, oh, it might be kind of trippy. It's it's definitely a lot different from those two movies in the sense right, of like yeah. uh and I've heard I've heard that that was the case. It, yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. But there is uh I mean, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is back. You know, yeah. he's always going to be, you know, the star of uh, any Jordan Peele movie. Jordan, yeah, I Kiki heard. Palmer I heard. I heard, I heard Kiki Palmer was great. In that movie. Yeah, she was actually pretty. She was like comedic relief. I will yeah, say she's, but she still she's, played her part pretty well. She's, she's so underrated. 
and there were there were i forget what was being i don't know somebody said something about her um after the movie it might have it might have been like a colorism issue or something like that I, i'm i'm forgetting but she she addressed it pretty gracefully in some in, in some tweets i'm always rooting for her man i i really really like kiki palmer ever since her nickelodeon days so yeah, i was gonna i was literally about to yeah, say i'm just like, like remember, remember yo, her show yo true jackson vp that's right yep that's that's that one i, I didn't even i didn't even watch the show like that i, I would just watch it if it was on but i i i always i'm an endless uh rooter of kiki palmer i will always root for her so um yeah you're I'm, palmer's I'm, here yes don't don't we, know if that's her followers names but we'll that's we're coining yeah it. yeah i don't there's no way that that's that's that, that's the name of the people who follow her. That's that's not even like that creative, uh, but 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 yeah, I heard I heard that she was great. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm gonna see that movie in theaters or if I'm just gonna wait wait for it to get on HBO or whatever. But uh, but we'll see. I, I'm 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 excited to see it uh, whenever I do see it though. You mentioned Daniel Kaluuya though, and I I don't know if you're watching this right now, but uh, Daniel Kaluuya unfortunately is a huge Arsenal fan. He is narrating the all or nothing series on Amazon prime right now that is following Arsenal football club. And he's narrating their previous season, this past season when they, and I'm going to remind everybody of this when I get the opportunity to, but uh, yes, they did indeed miss out on top four. (laughs) They are out of the champions league for, I think the sixth consecutive year. Yep. And that's due in part to my football club, Tottenham Hotspur. So he's narrating that series right now. If you guys aren't watching it and look, it's hard for me to watch something that is literally the basis of like the rival club of the club that I root for. Like if you are a, a soccer fan of any kind, like you will, you will, you will understand like rivalries are like, dude, they're, they are no joke, bro. They are no joke. Like, like these, like these, these folks in, in, in Europe, they get down with the footy and, and you can feel like the energy and just the hatred towards your rival club is palpable even over here, like across the pond. Like I can't stand Arsenal. I really can't. I never have been able to. And, and, and like for other reasons that are quite obvious, if you know anything about Tottenham Hotspur, I was meant to be a Tottenham Hotspur fan, quite frankly, like I, I'm a Kings fan. So obviously that's like, there's natural crossover there. Right. Um, but as of, as of late Tottenham have been, on the up and up they they've they finished over arsenal like seven years in a row and that's something that is like that 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 did not happen at all ever before like i don't know like maybe during like the 60s they might have but after that that basically never happened i mean arsenal had that lockdown for like 50 years now tottenham are like looking like they're or at least they have been over these last couple over these last like six seven years they've been they've been better right um but yeah, I, I fucking hate Arsenal. I don't, I don't care if they're worse than us. I can't stand them. However, the All or Nothing documentary is always a lot of fun. Tottenham Hotspur actually were the subject of this documentary two years ago. And it was they actually followed Tottenham during the, the pandemic season, like when everything got shut down. Uh, that was actually pretty cool to, to, to watch and, and to see how they navigated that. But, um, but yeah, given even though I, even though I hate Arsenal, uh, this the documentary is like it's really really good, and I think there are only three episodes left. Like as of right now, they've released six episodes. Those six episodes have been quite good, and I think the 
next three are being released sometime later this week. Like they, they, I think it's releasing like Thursday or something like that. And I, and I would recommend for anybody who's, who's, um, who, who watches any, any soccer and is into soccer in any capacity, like watch it, you'll enjoy it. Just if you're, if you don't have a club lockdown, do not become a fan of Arsenal because then we cannot be friends. And I mean, come on, like who doesn't want to be friend with local guy, right? It's true. It's local guy with the local products. <laughs> local guy who's not even local. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just real quick. Yeah. I just wanted to recommend that. And Daniel Kaluuya, by the way, <laughs> like I didn't know that. Okay. After I saw get out the first time I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't never could have guessed that he was British. First time I saw him talk like in real life away, away from, from the camera like away from the the movie camera i'm like dude this guy's british and he's like really british like he's like extremely he's got a thick british accent um great great narrator voice though so he does he does a good job narrating the series um yeah daniel kluya man fantastic actor like he's yeah like you said he's always gonna be in those jordan peele movies but dude he he killed it in judas and the black messiah which he won an oscar for and deservedly so because that man was Fred Hampton uh, in, in, in my eyes. Like I watched him and I was like, dude, that that's Fred Hampton. Like the guy literally embodied that man's soul and played and played him in, in, in that movie. It was, it was insane. So if anybody, if you really want to see like an acting masterclass, from Daniel Kuya, um, I know he's been in other hit movies like uh, Black Panther from 2018 and Avengers Infinity War from 2019. I'm sorry, 2018 as well, but um, definitely check out Judas and the Black Messiah if you want to see him just light up the screen with just like a just put on a masterclass in acting. Um, all right, Zach, um, I guess we'll move to the Kings real quick. There's a little bit of Kings news since last time we spoke. Um, we did talk about how the Kings signed Matthew Della Vadova and, and we were just talking about things getting grittier. Well, if you want to add grit to your team, there you go. You got Matthew Della Vadova. You know, he'll get real gritty and maybe put their team's best player in like a figure four leg lock and I don't know, maybe injure him by taking him out on a fast break. But they did also sign their 20th and final player for training camp. You're allowed 20 players in training camp. I think a lot of Kings fans are just like, how many roster spots do we have? The answer is 20. You have 20 roster spots and then you have to make cuts. You got to get down to like, I think seven, I think it's, I think it's 17 cause it's like 15 regular players and then like two, two way players, if I'm not mistaken. So there will be some cuts that need to be made in a few, in a couple months here as the season approaches, but uh, the Kings, fi- they, they signed their final player of training camps named Sam Merrill. He's from Utah state. I had a chance to watch Sam a good amount when he was in college. Uh, he's a mountain West conference legend. He was the best player. Well, one of the best players in the mountain West this senior year. He actually hit the game-winning shot against San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Final in 2020. And they won the conference title. And then, of course, like two weeks later, the world gets shut down. He didn't get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. He's one of those guys, look, if you go to Utah State or Utah or you know, even like Utah Valley State, which is – Utah Valley State got renamed to something else, but I'm forgetting right now. And then, of course, BYU. If you go to any of those Utah schools, you're probably Mormon. A lot of those students out there end up taking a two-year mission, a two-year Mormon mission in the middle of college. And then they come back and they finish college. So that's like the reputation that those schools have, right, Zach? Like all those schools are kind of just like, everybody kind of knows. Yeah, these guys, like they come back and by the time they're done playing college basketball or college football, they're 24 or like 25. They're just, they're grown ass men playing against much younger kids. Um, 
Sam Merrill, even though he was a little bit older from what I, from what I remember, I think he was one of the, the one of those guys that went on a mission and came back. Uh, even though he was a little bit older, I mean, was like every bit like legit, like you know, fringe NBA player. Like he he was he would have been on a summer league roster. He he would have maybe been on a G League team. You know, he is he is that good, and his one discernible skill is shooting. Uh, that's the one skill that I think he's going to bring to the team this training camp. I think he has like a very, very, very outside shot of making the roster. Uh, maybe they move him to the Stockton team uh, for the G League, but don't know. Not sure. He's the 20th and final guy of training camp, though, Zach. Any thoughts? Uh, you know, my extensive knowledge on Sam Merrill and myself. Uh, yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, you think he figures it out? Yeah, he'll feel he'll, he'll, he'll definitely figure it out eventually That's yeah i'll sure. figure it out eventually he'll learn that he'll learn the game <laughs> oh yeah he'll learn yeah he'll learn the yeah little fellow will learn the game eventually yeah so yeah shout out shout out to sam merrill man uh i i, I think it's i think it's so interesting for guys who projected to be like like frankie ferrari right like this past summer league right like those guys who are trying to catch on via summer league they're not for sure nba players they know that they know that they can make a lot of money playing overseas, but they want their shot in the NBA in the best league in the world. USF uh, alum, by the way. Yeah, USF alum Frankie Ferrari. Shout out, shout out, Frankie. Um, you know, like for those guys, when the pandemic happened, like, dude, I felt really, really bad for those guys because summer league was taken away. Like, you don't get a chance to try to showcase yourself in summer league. You don't get a chance to try to get a training camp invite, right? So, I felt for them. And I, I felt bad. It's cool seeing these names reemerge though. Like Frankie, you know, like, uh, like Sam Merrill, those guys resurfacing, even in summer league uh, tells me that they're, they're still trying to stick around in the NBA, still trying to make uh, anything, you know, a, a roster, an NBA roster, a G league roster, just so that they can get a chance, you know, get their shot at the NBA. Like that, that's cool to me. Um, and I, and I respect it. So uh, good for Sam. Yeah, you know, circling back around you know, two years after the fact um, and, and getting a training camp invite, that's pretty cool. So shout out to Sam Merrill, hoping, hoping for the best for him. Again, I think he's got a major uphill climb to make the roster, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, all right, Zach. Football's back like we, like we talked about. Oh, when we say football, it's soccer. Um, Barca, Barca just started their season this past weekend, yeah? Yes, yes, they did. And it was a <laughs> uh, unexpected nil-nil draw versus mm. Rio Vallecano. Um, a lot of hot takes have already been taken beginning of the season. Uh, not even from Barca fans, just people obsessed with this club because we have run the summer riot uh, due to our signings and 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 uh, questioning of where we get this money from. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been one of the vocal wonderers of. Yeah, there is. I've been one uh, of the people wondering out loud about where you guys get all there, this there, money. There, there is a lot of uh, speculation on how to get the money, but so, so the main reason is Barcelona have been known to be in a lot of financial debt over the past few years, just mm. due to their insanely high wage bill. Um, it, ever since, I don't even want, I don't even want to say his name, but our former president of our club who I don't even want to say his name before <laughs> John Laporta came. He basically put this club like 10 years behind financially, just do the increased, like insane, insane contract wages that he yep. would give players and stuff like that. 
Um, our current president, Laporta, John Juan Laporta, uh, he's 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 been doing some business with his team. Um, people are really like just wondering how he's getting a lot of this money influx. Um, basically, what he's doing, he's selling off a lot of like uh, TV rights to from the club. So a lot of teams or a lot of games can be streamed from other places. So like he's selling off like core portions of it, percentages off for a lot of money to balance some books. Um, it's kind of like a, a lot of people are saying he's taking a big risk to win now and kind of jeopardize our future, to say the least, uh, financially, because a lot of people are saying, well, Barcelona won't be a club anymore if this all goes wrong and they have any more money. Uh, let's, let's be smart here. I don't, let's, let's not be dumb. <laughs> that are, is anyone even, or like, are, is anyone ever going to believe that? I mean, me not, personally, no. I mean, the brand's just too strong. Not, yeah, not like, even trying to be biased, got, yeah, but like, like no, in like terms of history and just yeah, like brand, yeah. no, it's going to be really hard for Barcelona no. to just dissipate like that out of nowhere. Right. Like the only, the only, I think the only way it dissipates is if like a civil war breaks out between the, you know, Catalan and, <laughs> and, and, yeah, like, the, and then, like the rest of Spain, right? Then it's just like, okay, well, then how do we play matches, right? Because, yeah, because, you know, I mean, that, that, that whole, you know, that kind of, that, you know, like, not saying like this would be like a like for like thing, but when the whole thing <laughs> happened with Ukraine and Russia, right? Like yeah. basically everything stopped in Ukraine, right? So yeah, I mean, that's like the only way, honestly, that's the only way I could imagine that ever, yeah, and, that ever happening. And the, the best thing is it's Chelsea fans and United fans for some reason. Well, actually, I do know the reason because Chelsea, we took all their targets this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All their big name signings that basically they were already thought they were going to get and then mm-hmm. united because frankie de young has been linked to go in there but he keeps saying no i don't want to because <laughs> that, that club sucks um so they're just trying to you know go after but the thing is it's with with a lot of premier league clubs it's all owned by like 100 percent owned by just one owner while yeah or like ownership group yeah ownership groups yeah who yeah. just have a lot of influx of money just pushing into all the clubs, giant amounts of money. It's 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 only up to like the owner really who has to manage everything. But with Barcelona, it's 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 the people's club is what they call it. So it's a lot of like social members, stuff like that. It's not owned just by a single person. So that's why it's like there's a lot of things he has to do financially in comparison of just like, oh, he has money, he gets it from somewhere, he can just put it into a club and that's it. Um, so it's like a lot of loans from like Goldman Sachs. Yeah, that's a it's a big financial, it's a big financial company, right? Yep. Um, yep. A lot. I mean, we just got a giant, giant sponsorship by Spotify, so that brought in a bunch of money. Yeah, getting Spotify <laughs> as your as your shirt spot as your kid sponsor is like insane. Yep. Be, like you got to think about how much money they they're they're giving they're giving them just off of the sponsorship rights for that. You know. Yep. So I mean, there's been a lot of different brand collaborations, brand exposures, a lot of different money moves that have been made this uh, summer. Or even in ever since Laporta have even come into presidency, um, but a lot of hot takes. People were saying, "Okay, well, the thing is, they got a lot of money, and it was just initiated by economic levers, is what they called it." Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people were saying Barcelona activated three levers just to tie nil nil versus Real Vaca. Do you understand <laughs> how new this starting eleven is compared to last year? And people just like expect us to click like that off an instant. And, yeah, well, of course. But common sense, I understand, goes out the window no, when it comes I, to to sports. Yeah, just 
and, and so especially I, and especially to big clubs like Barca, you know, like anytime big clubs struggle, yeah, they're gonna, you know, especially when you're, I mean, you are, you are to me, even with all the financial struggles and stuff, this is not even me being biased and trying to like, you know, trying to like dick ride or, you know, kiss ass or anything like that. Barca to me, biggest club in the world. So when they struggle, yeah, people are gonna, people are gonna, obviously like they're going to go to town. Like they're going to, they're going to have their fun with it on social media. But I obviously like you look at the town level of that club and everybody else compared to them in La Liga in Spain. I mean, they're still like, they're going to finish no worse than second. Right. You got to so. think um, people are like on Barca Twitter, talk about the pool that Barca has in terms of like uh, transfers. So the pool is like uh, in terms of like, you know, how much a player wants to go there and sporting projects uh, location wise, financial you know future whatever mm-hmm. and a lot of people are just like thank god it's barcelona and like the prestige and history this club has because people are like praying on like a banter era a lot of clubs have had banter eras oh yeah yeah uh, arsenal currently in one yeah <laughs> so far this season it seems like they're stepping out of that shadow oh yeah it's, yeah it's, it's you know what arsenal, like so hey know. man <laughs> I, I i i can't stand them but i will i will admit they're so pretty far, good. They're, so they're, they're going to be pretty good this season. They, they, they were just super young last year. And now yeah. all those players got so much experience, even yeah. though they, even though they fell short of expectations. And I, I think, I think they're going to be like, dude, the North London Derby is going to be, might be some, might be some heat. Yeah, um, that's for sure. You brought up Manchester United and Chelsea. Let's pivot to one of those clubs right now. I was Man- about to say Man- Manchester, Manchester past. United. Okay. So let's okay. <laughs> Manchester United is one of the most storied clubs in the world. Like anybody who who might not know anything about the Premier League, if they were asked to name one club for the longest time, like that one club that they would that they that they would name would be Manchester United. Like if they didn't know anything about the league, didn't know any teams, you know, if there was an outside chance of them knowing one club, it was probably Manchester United because that that brand for that club was so strong, right? Uh, that was kind of how I was. Like I knew more than just Manchester United, but they were always in that group of like you know three, four teams that I would that I would just know off the top of my head before I started watching world football hardcore. Dude, they suck. Like they're so <laughs> bad, and anybody could have seen this coming. The same way that you probably could have seen the financial struggles coming for Barca, anybody could have seen this coming with Manchester United. Like the the recruitment, the 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 coaching hires. Uh, the the board, the own, all that stuff. It's just been awful. And big shout out to my good friend Mike. Uh, <laughs> he's he's one of my best friends. Uh, my, love my, Mike. Yeah, we love him. His name his name's Mike. He, he's a huge Manchester United fan. When I became a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, when I chose Tottenham Hotspur as my team roughly a decade ago, he was already a hardcore United supporter. And when I told him that my club was going to be Tottenham Hotspur. He told me, dude, why would you choose some club? It's just going to be mid table all the time. Like, why don't you choose a club? that's actually going to win some trophies. Like why, like, why are you, why are you literally choosing a club? that's not going to amount to anything. Zach, the turntables, man have. Wow. Like ever since then, it's so crazy. Like Tottenham literally got to a European, they got to a champions league final, which was the apex really of like their best football over the past decade. But United haven't even, dude, like they've been, they've spent like half the time over the past like six, seven years, like in Europa League. And they did, they did win it once. Yeah, they did with Mourinho. 
correct? Then they win. Yeah, they won Europa. Twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, and that and that got them in the Champions League for the next year. Um, so they go from look. They went from one of the greatest managers in the history of football, Sir Sir Alex Ferguson. Right? He was he he kept Manchester United as the powerhouse that that they were for so long. They go to uh, a few, you know, gap stop managers, but I think most notably among them was Louis van Gaal, right? And things didn't really go the way that they that they planned with him, right? Then they bring in Jose Mourinho, who's literally like, look, this century, if you're looking at just this century up to this point, Jose Mourinho, probably the best football manager of this century so far. Like we're talking like the 22 years in right now. Dude's a winner, right? I think by that point, though, he was kind of cooked. (laughs) I think it's fair to say his tactics were outdated and his methods were outdated and all that stuff. And it just wasn't it wasn't clicking with that squad. And I think a lot of people immediately defaulted to that. A lot of people immediately said, well, it's Mourinho. Mourinho in like 2018 said getting because I think United finished like second. I think they finished second that year. They finished second twice under Mourinho. He said the second time he took that club to second in the league. That was his greatest coaching job ever. And at the time, you're thinking, Jose, are you nuts? Because you've won all these trophies. You've, you've won the, he won the Champions League with Porto. <laughs> you know, like that's what put him on the map. To think that he would say that about a second place finish, you're thinking, are you mad? But you look back on it, right? Because I remember when he said that. And when he said that, my good friend Mike was like, he ain't lying. And I was like, Mike, you're insane. And he's insane for thinking and saying that. But then you look back on it, you're like, wow, the players on that team, unserious. Just a whole bunch of dudes who who are just – and it's so funny because Mike was saying this four years ago. But he was like – he would always tell me, bro, they're just way too into social media. Like they're always – they're all about their cars and all about their freaking Instagram posts and can't stay off of Twitter, always playing fucking Fortnite and all that stuff. Like he would always bitch and moan about those players to me, right? And I'd be like, Mike, calm the hell down. Like – you unlike my club, you've actually won something over the past decade, right? He goes, nah, you guys are in a better position than us, even without a trophy. And I was just like, all right, we'll see. He was right. He was right. That club is in absolute shambles. And, 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 and the players that they recruited during that period leading up to the period now where they're just like absolute shit. I mean, it's pretty crazy. You could have predicted it. And it's kind of, dude, I think some fans would, I think a very small minority of fans are okay with this, but I think the majority of the fans were like happy when he left Jose Mourinho. You look back on it now. And I think the small sort of vocal minority that supported Jose and wanted him to stick around, they're probably puffing their chest out. Like, yeah, we were right. Like Jose was right. We were right about Jose. Like it wasn't him. It was the players. And then of course they replaced Jose with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer and 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 for his credit, he did get them top four one year, and they were you know they were decent that year. But dude, to think that right now they're in worse shape and they look like they're going to be worse than than some of Aldi Gunnar's Solshire's worst seasons is insane. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the United have lost both their opening games, and not only that, they've looked absolutely putrid in both of them, and they lost both those games to clubs that like these clubs. Beating United for them, doesn't matter how bad United is. Beating United for them, biggest wins in club history. That is the biggest win in club history for both those teams. They played Brighton Hove. They played, they played Brighton Hove and Albion the first week, lost 2-0, and then got thrashed 4-0 against Brentford this past weekend. Like, 
they haven't even scored a goal, you know, and now Cristiano Ronaldo, who's at United is forcing his way out and like, is going to, you know, going to try to find a new club and they got all this drama happening. It's bad, Zach. It's bad. Um, I, I, I droned on there for a second and I ranted my bad, but like, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're talking about banter errors or <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, United's known they're just literally going through it. Okay. The year they finished second under all with, uh, before it was 20, 20, 29, no, 2020, 2021, right? It was, it was the season before last. So that, so that was that 1920. Was that the, was that the, the year that the pandemic shut everything down? It was a year after, wasn't it? Okay. Or so no, no, no. The year after would have been. Oh yeah. No, think it was, it was, it was the year that they uh, signed. Um, I, I think, no, I think you're right. So it's 2020, 2021. Yeah. It was, it was Bruno Fernandez's first season. Was it not? I, I think, I think, I think you're right. It, it was yeah, when it was he was probably, literally yeah. just pulling all the strings and he was like unstoppable for the whole year. Yep. Um, that could have obviously even been one of their bigger accomplishments in the past, yeah. maybe like 10 years since, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson is, you know, retired. Um, you know, a lot of people say, I mean, as much as I do love Messi and I have the bias over Messi over Ronaldo and the agenda just fits very well. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not trying to say anything, but ever since Ronaldo came to United, they went from second to sixth out of champions league out of European football. And then now they're just looking like, you know, the laughing, laughing stock of the league. Um, as a, there, there are some clubs that everyone loves to laugh at Arsenal <laughs> United. Yep. Uh, let me see. Who, who else can I think of? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I feel like that's that was bad. It's kind of it. Yeah. I feel like those are like the two main clubs. Everyone those, yeah. Those are the two at. main, because it's, it's mostly because of the fan behavior. Yeah. Um, I see the Arsenal fan behavior much more close and, and it's much more noticeable to me because I'm a Tottenham fan, but yeah, I, I don't see very many good things coming from the United fan base. So it, it's warranted. Even some AC Milan from, I want to say 2014 to about probably these past, like two years. So probably like 20 up, up until, up until probably like before the pandemic. And, and then, cause they did, well, they did win the Scudetto, didn't they? At, at some point this last couple of years, or am I wrong? Ever since I last won the Scudetto, I think was in 2012 was oh, Ibrahimovic's okay. so last season. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then they brought him back. <laughs> ever, literally ever since, ever since Ibra left up until he came back after his stint in LA galaxy, mm-hmm. he, they literally were like the laughing stock of Europe. Cause they're yep. literally the European giants. They're literally European giants from the eighties all the way up until the 20s. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. They, they kind of owned Europe. And after that, they kind of just fell off. They had like no real marquee right. names playing for them. Maybe Balotelli at a time, but that was kind of when he was <laughs> veering toward the end of his prime. Yes, prime, prime slash his just, time that he actually cared about soccer. <laughs> yeah, um, but even they like recollected way quicker than they were like roughly around the same time where United have been. Yeah, and they've won. They've won a Scudetto since then. They're literally just like constant top four threats to the Syria, which is probably gone up in quality and turned like yeah they insanely have. high there's so many clubs now that are really dangerous yeah they're pretty good but it's pretty crazy how like juventus took over the mantle of like by far best Syria team from and now they're not even that anymore. and now yeah and now, then now in like a span of like two years it's pretty crazy yeah dude it's kind of it's kind of crazy how much now it's just inter milan 
you could even say like Atalanta. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty wild, which is insane. But yeah, yeah. it's like they, they even got like over a hump, which is insane because it's like a banter era and everyone thinks it's like, well, these super well-known clubs who used to be at like the top of the world are just now just like the laughing stocks of football. Barcelona was like that for literally for half a season. Mm-hmm. That's like as much as everyone thought it was like it was over for us. Yep. And then we finally got a manager with the brain, a board that actually works. And then we just started to, people were saying Barcelona are back because people hate the shit out of them, man. And uh, you're, you're doing something right if people hate you. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and I'll say that, and I, and, and the reason why I, I don't think my club gets a lot of, like, even though my club has, like, we're, for a long time, we were like the permanent advancer club. Like, everybody always makes fun of us for the same thing. We don't win very many trophies. It's been 14 years since we lost one trophy, by the way. Um, yeah, I think people make fun of us so much and so often that we can't ever, like, we're just made fun of equally throughout like each part of this, each part of each season. Like, it wasn't really until we became quite good and and became like actual title contenders that people kind of let this alone um, and started giving us a little bit of credit. But it is pretty wild to think United and Arsenal have been in these prolonged banter eras. I personally thought that Tottenham was about to enter a very very long banter era. I'm not gonna lie. They hired Nuno Espirito Santo, which was just the absolute wrong hire. They they brought in players that just did not fit for him whatsoever. And it's because he wants the whole Portuguese national team. Like he did exactly. Yes. And there weren't enough Portuguese players. And yep. Close to zero. Yep. Yep. So. And 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 you know what? That's on Daniel Levy, who is the uh, chairman of Tottenham Hotspur. He didn't, he 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 uh he hesitated and they didn't bring in Bruno Fernandez. Sucks. Could have had a, you know, could have could have brought in, you know, who knows if if Nuno was hired sooner, maybe they could have had a chance at Cristiano, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that that was going to be like the start of like just just a horrible, horrible era, you know? Because I because as a fan of Tottenham, I got in at the right time. Like they they were on the upswing when I first started watching them. It would have sucked to have gone through a banter era, and I thought that that was totally going to happen. But the best thing that Nuno Espirito Santo did was he got Tottenham Hotspur Antonio Conte. Like he was so bad <laughs> that. That that Tottenham did not hesitate to 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 sack that guy like ten or twelve league league games in or whatever, and and bring in Antonio Conte. And ever since Antonio Conte has come in, wow, 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 wow. And this will segue us to the next thing. Tottenham played an insane match and ended up in a two-two draw. Americans won't like that; they don't like ties. But they played to an insane two-two draw at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge this past weekend. Zach, did you get a chance to catch any of it? Oh, I watched maybe the past like 20 minutes of the end of the game. Okay. Which felt like years because it felt like hours. Yeah. Of all the altercations, <laughs> yeah. stoppages, uh, 90 minutes for a football game, folks. It equates to an hour and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably will last you about three hours in total time in professional wise, uh, just due to all the stoppages and everything like that. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so... in the end, it was like an additional, <laughs> if you, if you count the stoppage time at the end of the first half and then the stoppage time at the end of the second half, it equates to about like an hour 40 of actual game time. Then you attack on half time, you attack on half time, right? So, you know. Yep. Yeah. So it's 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 north of like two hours for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll even let you talk about it. There was an altercation between the two managers at the end of the game. Just a bunch of drama. That's it's literally just that's it's why football is the worst. Yeah, that's why it's sports fucking awesome at well, not any level anything well, like that could happen people just eat that shit up before i talk about the managers though what was it like for you watching as a neutral oh uh i actually it's always funny because i really don't even know who to root for for most of the time because i do like players from different teams uh 
just profile wise and just kind of just like how they play and stuff like that. Um, play style wise. Um, like when Hoiberg scored that goal, <laughs> I was ruining the hell out of that. Cause I actually like Emil Hoiberg a lot. Yeah. Um, but Cooley Bali's goal was pretty, I, honestly goddamn good. Sick goal. Can't and, even lie. And I was just like, that's insane because one hitting a half volley like that at the angle it was coming from off a corner is, is just insane. Yeah. Uh, even coming from like someone who's played the sport and stuff like that and knows like all the technique they have to do. It's so hard to do those. Yo, uh, Zach, you know, ball. Oh yeah. Yes, I do. Cause I'm in the film room. <laughs> That's right. Um, You're an yeah. athlete. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's why they're professionals. Right. Yep. Um, but I know there's a lot of controversy about the, 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 the Spurs goals that happened too. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading up to the first goal for uh, was it the first goal? I think it was, it was, uh, it was, yeah. So leading up to it was Hoybier's goal was when Rodrigo Rodrigo Bentoncourt, who plays for Tottenham Hotspur, literally he, in, he just he took just out he just down. took out Kai Havertz. Like yeah, he just he literally chopped his legs down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even he thought it was a foul. No, he no, no, no. He literally stopped, and then he was like, "Oh, not, okay, word." Yeah, and he just and, and then, he just took the ball and he started going the other way with it. <laughs> and and I do think that there was enough time between that foul and the buildup, and then and the, you know, like Chelsea even regain possession for a second uh yep. uh or Jorginho Jorginho has- yeah that's what, that's what I was thinking about Jorginho gets the ball back in his own box and decides yeah I'm gonna do a drag back it'll look sick and he gets the ball dispossessed <laughs> from him and then <laughs> three times yeah yeah him. and then and then Hoybier ends up scoring that on that you know honestly for him that's a wonder goal so like that happens and then Reese James honestly off of some really good pressure by Chelsea they get the goal back they get the ball back. Raheem Sterling feeds Reese James. Nice goal. Honestly, even though he's a Chelsea player, I do like Reese James. So he's you know, he's a baller. He's he's a baller. Um, he gets that goal. And at that point, I'm thinking that's it. Because Tottenham were not doing anything that game to like there was there was no there was not one moment in that game where I was just like, nice. You know, we're we have we have the front foot. Right, we're on our, we're we're on the front right the front foot right now, attacking and getting forward and you know getting opportunities. None of that shit was happening for Tottenham. We were kind of just chucking the long balls over the top and just and just praying. The good old and, Premier League football. And you know what, dude? We pinged a couple over the top, got nothing out of it because, uh, well, quite frankly, once Harry Kane fluffed his lines, and then there were a couple of opportunities, one by Son and one by Ryan Sessegnon, where they just weren't clinical enough in the final third. So I was like, you know what? I I don't think. I don't think I don't think Tottenham are going to get anything out of this. I think we're going to once again walk away with another loss at Chelsea. By the way, for those of you who don't know, I think Tottenham have won once over the past 27 matches at Chelsea in all competitions. Like that's insane to me. Like that place is a house of horrors for Tottenham Hotspur. Like they they do not win at Chelsea. They really even get a result, right? So with like a minute left in stoppage time, uh, by this point Antonio Conte has subbed in Ivan Perisic. And he's taking the corner kick that probably shouldn't have been given to Tottenham after Christian Romero, who plays for Tottenham, pulled <laughs> Mark Kukurea. Mark Mark Kukurea's hair and dragged him to the ground. And the ref just did not send him off for it, it for whatever right reason. It, it was too. right in front of him. And so Tottenham gets a second chance at another corner and they capitalize. Harry Kane heads one in, 2 2. Tottenham walk away with a draw. And this takes us to what you mentioned. A little bit earlier. So the initial altercation between Antonio Conte, who is Tottenham's manager, and Chelsea's manager, Thomas Tuchel, 
It happened after Tottenham's first goal. Antonio, anybody who knows anything about Antonio Conte knows that that man celebrates the hell out of every goal. Like the guy goes nuts. And so he starts celebrating Hoybier's goal and Tuchel literally runs towards the fourth official who's standing in between them and like starts giving him an earful. Conte comes over and screams in his face and then they have to be separated. And then conveniently they decide, hey, this, this is when we should take a drinks break. And during the entire drinks break, because it was so hot, um, they had to take a, a break, one in each half so that the players could hydrate. Um, th- th- I mean, it was just tense. Like it, it, it looked like it could pop off at any second. Probably, probably not the best time to have the drink, the, the drinks break. So that happens. Then Chelsea score their second goal, right, by Reese James. Thomas Tuchel decides, oh, I'm going to run all the way down past Conte and celebrate this goal, and like just, just be super extra with it. Which honestly, it's pretty funny. Like it didn't really bother me that much. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Conte I, apparently didn't see that because he had like turned away and had you know buried his head in his hands because he was so upset that we had just given up a goal. But after that, after that goal to tie the game, Thomas Tuchel and really like all the fans, the entire team, the entire Chelsea team, were quite upset at the no call with the hair pulling. They were already upset because Rodrigo Bentancourt had taken out Kai Havertz and there was no call there. So as they're walking by each other and they're about to shake hands or, well, they did shake hands, Conte and Tuchel. Tuchel took exception. He took exception to the fact that Conte did not look him in the eyes, Zach, with it for the handshake. And he pulls him <laughs> and like grabs him and turns him around and tells him, Hey, look me in the eyes, motherfucker. Basically is what he was saying. And then that started like a whole nother scrum. Like then, then like a giant mass of just, players, coaches, technical staff, referees, they're all trying to separate everybody. Um, and after the match, Thomas Tuchel did complain about the officiating. He's probably going to get banned for more than one game now because both. So because of the, as a result of that scrum and that melee after the game, um, both coaches were handed red cards, which means they cannot coach their respective next matches. Thomas Tuchel might be out for even more than that though, because he was quite critical of the officiating. Um, Conte, not so much. So he'll probably be spared uh, anything worse than a one-match ban. But they both had an opportunity to kind of like talk shit about one another. They didn't, though. So I think what that signifies is there is quite a bit of respect between the two, even though it may not have seemed like it. And uh, they were more bothered by the officiating than anything else. Um, And then hours later, Antonio Conte posts a picture on Instagram, on his Instagram story. It's just like, to me, this is like insane shithousing by a coach. Uh, <laughs> he posts a picture on his Instagram story of, of Thomas Tuchel running past him down the sideline celebrating Chelsea's second goal. And he says, oh, I didn't see you running by me, but if I did, I probably would have tripped you with a whole bunch of laughing emojis. <laughs> and, and it didn't seem like he was upset. It didn't seem like it was salty or anything like that. I think he said it like in jest, like he was joking around. And, and I do think that both those guys – it really wasn't all that serious. It was a heat of the moment thing. The officiating was quite bad. Um, and, and they were warranted like the, 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 the anger at, at the, at the officials, especially from Chelsea's perspective was definitely warranted. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like Tottenham did nothing wrong. They probably could have had both their goals taken back, but regardless, like, you know, the end result was a two, two draw for Tottenham, which is a huge result for them. And like you said, this is box office, baby. This is this is why this is why we love. This is why we love 
world football. This is why we love soccer. And this is why we love the Premier League. And just, like, dude, best league in the world. I'm sorry. Like, top to bottom, the parody, how difficult it is. You know, you could be the, the best team in the league could be playing like the, the 17th best team in the league. Right. And, and it could be a dogfight. Like, that's just how the Premier League is built. And, and a lot of the top managers in the world are in the Premier League. And, and many of them do not like one another. And this is just another example of it. I, I personally don't think that Tuchel and Conte dislike each other. I think there is a, a, a lot of respect between the two. From what I remember last year, before the, Tottenham played Chelsea three times in a span of like three weeks last year in January, or this beginning of this year in January, they lost all three games. Chelsea were just that much better than them. You know, they were just that much better than Tottenham. But I do remember like Conte and Tuchel like chopping it up, like hamming it up, like talking to another, you know, talk to one another before the game and, you know, being respectful after the game. I don't think they have anything against one another. I do think it was just a heat of the moment thing. And they'll probably move past it and laugh about it later on. But I'll tell you what, man, this is why we watch this. This is why we love it. Um, and, and I think they play one another in February of next year. And, and, and that fixture cannot get here quick enough. Um, even if Tottenham lose that game, I think it'll still be in it. It'll be an interesting match. So it'll be another great one for the, for the neutrals to watch. Um, yeah, man, it was just, just a wild game. And and that was like the showcase game. Like every week, every week in the Premier League does like have basically one showcase game. If they do have two, then they're on separate days, Saturday or Sunday, right? This was the big matchup. This was the last game of the weekend. It's on Sunday, right? It more than lived up. It more than lived up to the hype. Yeah, it it it, it exceeded expectations. Um, and over here in America, we we got real lucky, Zach. Over here, NBC Sports they they carry the Premier League. They've re up for like another six or seven years or whatever it is. We have uh, Rebecca Lowe. Shout out to Rebecca Lowe, of course. By, by the way, Rebecca Lowe, uh, studio host for NBC Sports yeah. Soccer. In case you didn't know that by watching all the highlight videos. And also, she's the wife of former Sacramento Republic FC coach Paul Buckle. So Paul Buckle actually was one time on Men in Blazers, which is a very popular uh, soccer talk show and podcast. And uh, I think Men in Blazers has like a Sac Republic flag hanging, hanging in the background of their, of their setup, their studio setup. Um, oh, wow. But uh, here's the thing, man, before NBC sports soccer lead play-by-play guy was Arlo white. Arlo white has since left. He has joined live golf, which is the new Saudi Arabia. Um, they're the upstart golf uh, tour started, started by the uh, Saudi Arabia public investment fund. Uh, he has since been replaced since he left by Peter Drury. Now, if you know anything about Peter Drury, and also if you know anything about me, I love just good sports commentating. Peter Drury is like the man, the best commentator, quite frankly, I've ever heard. Like, and, and that's high praise. Like I have a pretty long list of these commentators that I absolutely love, whether they're local, whether they're national, whether they're international. Peter Drury is at the top of that list for me. There is, there is nobody who can paint a picture of the game of soccer, the way that Peter Jury does. And, and, and he's had so many iconic calls. He was in his bag for every, for every goal that was scored this past weekend between Chelsea and Tottenham. And that was the cool thing going into Sunday for me, at least was knowing that that was the marquee matchup of the weekend, knowing that Peter Jury is the lead play-by-play guy for NBC sports. Now I knew he was going to be calling the game. It was freaking awesome. That, it was so good. And he had called many Tottenham games before when he was working for, you know, British television companies. I, I seriously, like, I cannot put into words how thrilled and how happy I am that we, for sure, like, whenever Tottenham play a big club this season, 
the rest, the rest of the season and for the next six or seven seasons, whenever they play another big Premier League club, Peter Jury is going to be calling that game. And it's going to be fucking awesome, dude. Like it's going to be, it's going to be so good. Um, he, he called the, the second Manchester City match that Tottenham had last year at Manchester City at the Etihad. Tottenham came back and won that game three to two. Or no, they had the lead, gave it up because of a handball. And then in stoppage time, won on a Harry Kane header. And if you look up Peter Drury's call of that game and of that moment, it's it's unbelievable. It's so good. And and I hate to evoke any any uh any memories that that you tried to suppress, Zach, but I think personally his best call was when Roma beat Barcelona in the Champions League. That was one of the best calls I've ever heard, ever. That man was in his Duffy for that call. I'm just sorry that it happened to your club. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's always it's always the best calls that happen to the greatest clubs at their demise. Yeah, always. That's, that's always. what it is. Yeah, that, that's always what it is. For sure. Yeah. 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 I, I don't consider Manchester City to be one of the greatest clubs ever. They're just annoying, and <laughs> they've, they've essentially bought all their success, which is really, really fucking annoying. But uh, yeah, when Harry Kane, when Harry Kane headed in that winter last year and Peter Jury was just going nuts and he says, Manchester City thought they were safe and got a point. You are never safe face to face with Harry Kane. I'm like, Jesus Christ. This man is unbelievable. And then they, and then they cut to Pep, Pep Guardiola, like just depressed sitting on the bench. And he goes, Pep's pain, Kane's utopia. I'm like, this guy how does and he think? All, how does this guy all off the dome? How does this? It's a do, all the all of them are domers. How does this man think of this shit off the dome? It's off unbelievable. Top. It's so crazy. It's it's and nuts. It's 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 crazy because him to you is like how Ray Hudson was for me when he when he commentated with him and Phil Shane in La mm-hmm. Liga. Everyone knows Ray Hudson and his Messi commentaries. Messi and Iniesta probably the two greatest players that he's been able to commentate. Mm-hmm. and his his like euphemisms for them is just insane they're all just too good bro i so i used i used to literally do you remember when fifa would have him come on every week and call like the best goals from the community yeah, and they, and yeah they would, from like from like online from like yeah online just like games. online clips that people uploaded yeah. that like went viral and he would he would come on and he would commentate them yeah like yeah, Ray Hudson's another good one. If you paired, if you paired Peter Jury with Ray Hudson, my head would fucking explode. <laughs> it would, it would arguably probably it be would. the most like, most descriptive, like a literal, like I don't, like probably alliteration. Yeah, yeah. To, it's, to the max, like, it'd be insane. Many people call Peter Jury the football poet. Yeah. Okay, so imagine that being bounced out by just insane just uncontrollable manic energy from the color commentator in in ray hudson i i honestly think it'd be an interesting pairing i almost feel like it wouldn't work but it's one of those things that like you think in your head hmm will that work and then it might actually work yeah so um yeah shout out to ray hudson i don't i wish i had bn sport well actually hold on their games aren't on bn anymore they're on espn plus right yeah um and ray hudson's no longer even with bn sports he he moved i think he i think he color commentates mls games now I think he. I think he moved to American soccer, well, so he's no longer. Fuck he's no me. Longer I should probably start Phil watching Shane. more MLS games. <laughs> yeah, so he's no longer with Phil. Sh- It'll probably just be him only talking about like Yosef Martinez and yeah. Atlanta United because that's the only like exciting thing in MLS. Yeah, and then maybe like 
LA Galaxy with Chicharito. That's about it. Uh, well, they 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 suck this year. So yeah, be um, right. yeah, but they'll be all right. They'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, I, I I I and I will say this: for the longest time, Peter Jury, he was paired with Jim Beglin, who's a great color commentator, dude, awesome. He's very very good, and those two balance each other out very very well and worked uh, in tandem like flawlessly. With Peter Jury leaving to come work in America, Jim Beglin is now paired up with Martin Tyler. Those of you who play FIFA know that Martin Tyler is the legendary voice of, for the longest time, he was the legendary voice of the FIFA soccer games, no longer, unfortunately. But uh, you know, they just called the Liverpool and Palace game uh, for Monday. And pretty good. Going from Peter Jury to Martin Tyler is pretty good. So I still think it's a drop off because, I mean, I like Martin Tyler, but Peter Jury's like way up here. Um, yeah. Martin Tyler's I, got that nostalgia on him. He yep, sure he sure does. He yep. sure does. Um, so if you want a game to feel like FIFA, Martin Tyler's your guy. Yeah, Martin Tyler's your guy. And you know what? Martin Tyler is he's exceptional. It's just he I feel like he's just kind of lost a step. The guy, yeah, the guy doesn't outdated. he doesn't get excited for anything anymore. Like he had the legendary Aguero call from when City won the league like a decade ago, right? Yep, like on the last on, on the last day of the season in against 2012. QPR. It was and against Queens Park Rangers. Yeah. And he hasn't really, enough. he hasn't got he hasn't gotten back to that point. Funny Since. enough, we're talking about Balotelli. That was probably the peak of his career because he got the game-winning assist to win a league title, their first-ever league title in club history, to them to win on, what, like six league titles in the next, like, 10 years? is insane, I want to say. I think so. But, I mean, yeah, that's probably – yeah, it's probably one of – probably if – yeah, that's probably his most famous call for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that's – that's that's it and then it's kind of funny i was talking about this with uh, our good friend daniels the other night uh we were talking about how martin tyler's probably a united fan because <laughs> he like only gets excited for united calls uh so it is kind of like ironic that his most famous call is for city um yep given that the fact rival but, club. Yep, they're literally their rival club yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah man we've drawn long we've drawn on long enough about soccer and then like they do now we're talking about soccer commentary this is this is where we're at <laughs> Uh, we need more sports to come back. If the Giants were playing better, I'd be talking more about the San Francisco Giants. They're not. Football season is right around the corner, though. Um, I, I've got a few people in mind that that might want to come on and talk about football. We'll see about that. But uh, but uh, until then, man, we're we're basically just going to be talking about soccer and and whatever the hell else we're talking about. We were just talking about fucking gritty reboots earlier. Like we do, <laughs> we're kind of in the mud here, people. So hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation. Let's close it out, Zach. Shout outs this week. Who you got? Um, let's see. Man, I'm trying to think. I don't even know. Uh shoot. Nah, dang it. Uh shoot. Uh um, yeah, I don't even know. Maybe let's shout out, shout out. Let's say shout out to people whoever's listening this episode because we've been <laughs> been on a break and uh hopefully next time i'll have a different shout out something cooler happens i don't know yeah 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 well, actually I'll, I'll i'll lob you one it was gonna be mine but i had another i'll lob you one bill russell ah yes r.i.p to bill russell shout out to him um nba legend obviously also mm -hmm. usf alum yep usf legend see that's why i lobbed it to you yeah so you're both you're both yeah alumni of the university of san francisco yeah mm -hmm. so yeah rest in peace to him yeah, man, legendary, legendary figure, like literally one of those guys that was just like 
just like they're they're bigger than the game of basketball. Like, dude, I've never seen the guy play basketball live. I've only seen like random old clips in black and white. Like that's how long ago he played basketball. But the thing about Bill Russell was he anytime he showed up, anytime he was at a game, anytime people mentioned him or whatever, like he's just like you, you can just tell how big of a deal he was and what he and, and what he means to 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 the NBA and, and and people involved in the NBA and and you think you look at all the re, like the respect that he commands from from players many many generations below him like after him it, it's pretty crazy man the guy was an absolute legend and he did a lot more beyond basketball um, you know like just you know, civil rights and uh, being the first African American head coach in the NBA ever I mean it, it's the, the guy's impact went beyond you know the game of basketball itself uh, so rest in peace to bill russell absolute legend my shout out for this week will be pete carrill if you know anything about pete carrill he was the longtime coach of the princeton tigers their basketball team um invented the you know was the inventor and the guy who popularized the princeton offense if you watch the nba or any level of basketball today you'll see either the princeton offense itself or things that look like the princeton offense pete was 100 um the 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 inventor of that he was the guy that that put that out there to begin with and his fingerprints all are he they're all over today's game of basketball you know you, you can't look anywhere without seeing the princeton offense at least somewhere um so yeah big shout out to him the reason why i bring him up though even though he was a princeton guy most people knew him at princeton is because when the kings were good zach and yes there was a point in time when the kings were good when the Kings were good, he was a huge reason for that. He he was a consultant that worked in the Kings organization for a good while, and he worked alongside Rick Adelman to install Princeton offense principles into the Kings offense. And if you want to know one of the big reasons why the Kings offense looked so good back then with Lottie and Peja and C-Webb and Mike Bibby and Jay will it's, it's big, it was in large part due to Pete Carrill. And he lived a long, full life. You know, He passed away at 92. So shout out to him, shout out to Pete Carrill. And uh, I, I know, I know that to a, to a very um, large and a very specific uh, generation of Kings fans, uh, he, he means a lot to them. And I actually got a chance to ask Jerry Reynolds, Jerry Reynolds, longtime Kings broadcast uh, comp, uh, color commentator. Yeah, I got a chance to ask him one time a question about Pete Carrill. And he told an awesome story uh, and one that I'm not supposed to share because it was during uh, one of James Ham's off the beat happy hours. So, I mean, I'm sorry, Kings beat off the record happy hours. Um, I'm not supposed to say anything about it, but it, but it was an awesome story. Uh, it was, it was a great story about Pete Carrill and um, yeah, just wanted to pay my respects to an absolute legend and, and a big reason why a lot of Kings fans around here cannot get over the fact that the Kings never won the title in 2002 because Man, that team was good, and Pete Carrill was uh, was a huge reason why that team was so good. So, yeah, big shout out to him and rest in peace. All right, everybody, we're getting the heck out of here. We'll talk to you maybe next week. I can't I can't keep on saying we'll see you next week when we don't actually see everybody next week, Zach. It's fair enough. We don't want to get caught lying again. We're very so, unpredictable. Yes, we are. And we're just like, so we're not like other girls, you know, we're yeah. so, we're so quirky and we're, we're so, very random. We're so random and so different. Yeah, like, so. Uh, like, why are we like this? Gosh. Um, <laughs> I know one person who's going to love that line. Do you want to say who, or are, are you allowed to say who? Uh, yeah. Why not? Brandon, <laughs> Brandon loves saying that 
that line specifically, he, he loves saying we're not like the other girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, big, Brandon, big shout, yeah. Big shout out. Big shout out to big Brandon, man. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, if, so eventually whenever he gets to listen to this episode, he'll probably just love that line <laughs> uh, like too much. And he'll probably just text me. So yeah, I'll be waiting for your text, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you when we see you be safe. And, uh, yeah, take care. Peace. I don't like change, I just like space, I don't like tang, I ain't like gay, I ain't like Jay, I don't like Drake, I don't like fake niggas, I ain't vague.